Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. Hello and welcome to the DYB Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Burnett. Today's guest has uncovered something about persuasion that's so real profound, it's changing how thousands of people are now selling their ideas, products, and services. He's one of America's leading behavioral management specialists and author of the award-winning book, Brain Glue, How to Sell Easier by Making Your Ideas Sticky. This book is awesome, and so I'm honored to have uh, him on the show to talk about it as I'm enjoying it. James I. Bond, welcome to the show, my friend. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Talk about a sticky name. Uh, (laughs) James Bond, I. Bond. I see why you had to put the I in there, huh? I think, yeah, people hang up on me all the time. James Bond, yeah, right, click. <laughs> but no, I think my parents had a sense of humor, an evil sense of humor, but that's <laughs> I was born after the uh, after the book, but before the movie. So okay, they, okay. apparently it's a coincidence, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's a good name. So uh, who was it? Somebody saw this on my calendar. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. that's right the the cars and the women i mean that's i mean my wife is awesome but what can i say yeah yeah right on well your book is about making ideas sticky let's get straight to it james how do you make ideas sticky well it's interesting i didn't invent brain glue i invented the term brain glue but the process has existed like almost since the beginning of man who started speaking okay so you think so uh, I'm old enough to remember Jack and Joe went up the hill. Okay. And what was the last time you heard that? A gazillion years ago. Okay. I mean, we don't have to get to the age. And for me, it's the same over 60 years ago. Like it's the last time I heard that. And yet I remember it like it was yesterday. There are certain things that stick to the brain like glue. And so, um, what we want to do is whenever we're talking to somebody, we want to stand out from the crowd. We want to stand out from competitors. And so Brain Glue is all about standing out in a way that people actually want to buy from you. And I, I discovered early on, um, I originally, I live in Southern California. I've lived here for about 35 years, but I'm originally from Montreal and I had an advertising agency and I worked my way up. So I had uh, eventually major clients, Kraft Foods, Timex, a- Watches, Avon, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, their world headquarters is there. Mm, wow. And I had the opportunity to win the anti-drug campaign in America with powerful, logical reasons why you should not do drugs. And then I saw the ad that won, and it terrified me. It was a guy holding an egg saying, this is your brain, cracks the shell, drops the egg into a sizzling frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And it was profound, but it wasn't logical. And yet it has tremendous uh, power uh, it literally, they said, it's amazing how many people had got off drugs or the kids to stop to it's, it's not consider doing drugs because of the power of emotional selling. And I was like, how do you do emotional selling? You know, I mean, I'd lo- I'm a logical guy. And as I started studying it, eventually, when we lived in, when we moved to Southern California, um, I met John Gray and John Gray was telling me about this incredible book he wrote 
men, women, and relationships. And it sold like a few thousand copies, which isn't a lot. If you make a buck a book, you know, you can't live off a few thousand copies. Yeah. And he got this crazy idea. What if I change the title to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? And then tweak the content a little so that it's just he refers to it throughout the book. Guess what happened? He sold half a million copies almost overnight, then a million, then two million, then five million, eventually 50 million copies, okay? I mean, if you make a buck a book, that's, I want one of those, okay? Yeah. And I was like, what? Just because he yeah. changed the title? He had a great book. It's the same basic book, and yet he changed the title and suddenly sales exploded? I mean, wow. And then I started, you know, I, I started realizing I had this thing I call a passion box where when I saw, um, when I saw um, this is your brain on drugs, I wrote down your brain on drugs on a three by five card and I put it in this box. And I've been doing this for over 35 years now, but every time I saw an ad or heard something that was powerful, but emotional selling, not logical. I remember President John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And I was like, whoa. And I wrote that and put it in my box. I said, there's a pattern there and I don't understand the pattern. If I can understand the pattern, then I can, you know, then maybe I can start using that. Well, when I got home uh, from after John Gray was telling me about his book, I dumped the passion box on my bed and quickly discovered 14 brain triggers. And I started first applying them with clients. But people started, I started sharing this. I do a volunteer work with the U.S. Small Business Administration. I'm like a top a workshop chairman and, and, po and uh, podcaster, stuff like that. And it's blowing literally thousands of people's minds because they're realizing if you have a product or a service, if you can add a tweak or change what you're, how you're describing it just slightly often, sales explode like crazy. In fact, let me give you an example because I think you have a lot Yeah, we're know, on edge really. You guys out there. Yeah. Um, so one of the cl first clients I worked with on this to actually apply this uh, was a construction company. There were three partners who after 10 years had 2 million in sales. That's not bad, 2 million in sales, you know, three partners. But it took them 10 years to do that. In one year, I took them to uh, uh, 10 million in sales, okay, two from 2 to 10. And two years later, we reached 32 million of sales. And I'll tell you exactly how I did it. By the way, I took them from 2 to 10 million in sales. It took them 10 years to get two. Took them, took me one year to get 10. And they used to razz me and said, hey, Bond, it was supposed to be 12 million, you said, you know. I was like, shut up. They bought each other the brand as a gift, the biggest BMW. So each had like, you know, BMWs. They're really into beamers. But I mean, it, it, here's what I did. So I said, um, so let's, um, you know, I love whiteboards. So I said, let's on a whiteboard, let's write down every kind of client that you work with, okay, uh, and that you've worked with over the past 10 years. And they said, okay, fine. It took a while, you know. How about, the, you know, anything else? Oh, yeah, wait, there was this guy or with these guys or whatever else. So we got a shopping list of all the different types of clients they work with. And I said, let's play a game. Let's pick one and pretend that you're not going to say yes to anybody except this one type of client. Let's focus you down on one. They said, well, we don't want to do that. We don't want to turn away business. You know, in construction, you could do anything, basically. Build homes and, and factories and stuff or build a shed in the back or fix if there's a fire or something like that. I mean, there are a lot of things you can do. I said, I care, but we're playing a game. Okay, let's get you to pick one. So we went through it. It took a while. And they finally said, you know what? There were two clients that we work with that were in the insurance industry, 
And we had like, you know, one had two and one had one fire. And they asked us to come in. They call it fire restoration for insurance companies. I said, what's that? They said, well, it's an insurance company that has a client that has a fire. And so when they have a fire, there are two, two things we have to do. The first one is we go in there and check the frame. If the frame is damaged, you got to tear down the whole house. But if it's not damaged, then you got to put it up and, you know, do construction in such a way that it's not going to catch fire again, whatever. Okay, that makes sense. So fire restoration for insurance companies. So when you're sitting and talking to the client, the first thing that's on their mind is the word fire, right? So let's come up with a, a hook that uses the word fire. We're not going to change the name of your company, but we're going to, you know, describe you guys this way. And so I said, you're like the fire extinguisher for insurance companies. And so why don't we get the website FireX and we'll call you guys the fire extinguisher when you're talking to your clients. And they started laughing. And then I would go with them for the first uh, two clients, uh, prospects, actually. And, so, and then one of them was a client that they worked with. The other one was a prospect. And uh, we said, um, yeah, well, just think of us as your fire extinguisher. You know, we're the fire extinguisher for you guys. We won't put out the fire, but we'll fix it after there's a fire. And the clients would laugh <laughs> as they were buying. <laughs> you know, and suddenly every time there was a fire that they had a client with, they would call and say, hey, guys, we need the fire extinguisher. Okay, here's the address. <laughs> and sales went from two to 10 million in sales in one year and then to 32 million two years later. And they only added like a, a few people. In fact, it's funny. When I started with them, I said, well, we need, I need a whiteboard because, you know, we, I like working off a whiteboard. And so the guy said, uh, one of the partners said, yeah, but when you're finished, make sure you take the whiteboard because we don't use a whiteboard. Okay, yeah, right. The second week I was there, I showed up and it was packed with text all over it. <laughs> and I said, uh, so I, I like to scare the hell out of my clients. So I pull out a, an eraser like I'm going to erase it. You know, back then it was before the camera phones, or cameras yeah, on the phone. Yeah. And he goes, no, 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 don't erase it. Wait, wait, I got to write it all down. And I said, well, what is it? He said, well, I'm sitting down with my subcontractors. And he said, it's amazing. Uh, he said, uh, they make promises, you know, like the subcontractors make promises all the time, right? Mm -hmm. That they don't keep. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, so he said, so every time somebody would make a promise, I said, so, hey, Joe, I need you to do this. He said, okay, I'll do this. Yeah, for sure. I turned around, I'd write it on a whiteboard. Something amazing happened. He said, I never saw this before. He started searching for a pen and a piece of paper so he could write it down. He said, these guys would always promise off the top of their head without writing any of this stuff down. But once they saw me writing it on a whiteboard, they would write down the promises they made so because they knew that they were going to be held accountable to that. It's like, wow. I said, so you, you, So I guess I'm not taking a whiteboard. He said, definitely not. <laughs> it was really good. But, but the issue is their sales went from 2 to $10 million in sales almost overnight because of how they described the business they were in. That's and so it's just, it, to me, it's so powerful. I mean, there are these, there's a, a, a mom and her son in uh, Utah and uh, she comes up with this idea, a product idea. They've had no business experience. But she says, you know, when I'm sitting on a toilet, it helps if you can raise your feet, like, you know, about a, a, a half a foot or something, because it changes the shape of your body when you go into the bathroom, okay? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too much into that. But, but uh, she said, okay, I, it would be fantastic if we sold this product. And so they got the idea. They got a supplier and all that stuff. But they needed a good name for the product. And so they're thinking, we want a hooky name, you know, a name that like will really captivate uh, everybody when they hear it. And so let's see, we're sitting on a toilet. What's another word for a toilet? I guess the potty, okay? 
and uh, we're kind of we're squatting, squatting potty. Oh, let's call it the squatty potty. <laughs> they went from zero people with no business experience. How many of you guys out there can say this? They went from zero to a hundred million dollars of sales in less than two years. They went from zero to hundred million dollars <laughs> because of the squatty potty. People would laugh as they're going, you know. And they they had some money as they made some money. They bought some. They had some commercials made and stuff like that. But I mean, squatty yeah. potty. Yeah, I mean, it's I just. Think- I think I read a report where they were selling for what eighteen or twenty dollars a piece, and it's like a fifty cent piece of plastic. It's, it's, you know? a, piece of pl- it's a simple piece of plastic that wraps around your toilet. You pull it out, you put your feet yeah, on it. You know, yeah. And yeah. yet, and my, and my wife had that. You know, she she had that idea before they did. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, never went forward with it. But mm. they went once they decided, hey, let's see if we can make a living doing this. I mean, who thinks so? If they call it the toilet stool, you think it would be as successful as Squatty Potty? No. No, no. Squatty no. Potty sticks to the brain. You know, it's like, ah, oh, that's funny, you know? <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's amazing how, you know, when you come up with a cool name, suddenly people want to buy your product. And it goes with, you know, I remember John Gray, when he was telling me, you know, when he changed the name of his uh, book to uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, I bought it in, uh, you know, a bookstore. And I was, uh, um, you know, I'm looking at books. I'm going, Men Are From Mars, Men Are From Venus. What the heck's that? <laughs> and then I picked it up, which is the first step to getting people to buy from you is to pick it up, get them to pick it up, right? Yeah. I started looking at it and went, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. And I would buy it. And so, uh, you know, what you want to do is you want to get their attention. I mean, there's, um, yeah, there, there's so many products. There's, uh, so Carrie Smith had a manufacturing company, a small manufacturing company. He just started it with like no money, basically. Mm-hmm. And he built it up, made a little bit of money. Then he got to say, then he got a friend who was selling in his company who made fans that are uh, huge fans that are used in like barns. You know, for cows, you're not going to have uh, an air-conditioned barn, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but you yeah. put a big fan. And so he had big fans that he was uh, selling. And then he was thinking, you know, uh, he was running an ad. And he said, you know, these are not just big fans. These are big ass fans. And so he says, he ran an ad saying, hey, want to buy a big ass fan? You know, come to Carrie's fans or whatever it was. And sales exploded. And he went like, wait a second. What if I change the name of the company to big ass? What if I change the name of the fans to big ass fans? And maybe eventually changing the company name to big ass fans. Sales exploded. In fact, they exploded so much. At one point, he started offering other products, and he realized that's distracting me. I'm just going to focus on big ass fans. He actually had a funny logo. He put a donkey, you know, of an ass, a donkey, <laughs> with his butt facing you, and then his head turned towards you. You know, and his big ass fans almost <laughs> exploded. I mean, yeah, we I struggled. Yeah, I see those everywhere. Big oh, every, it's a, you know, yeah. He went from virtually practically zero to he sold the company after 15 years. For five hundred million dollars, who I mean, because suddenly factories started buying them, and you know, like wow, big manufacturing yeah. companies bought them and all that stuff because they don't mm-hmm. just want air conditioning, and it's just it sold like crazy, and it's because the name, because yeah. you know Joe's fans, you know Johnson's fan company, big ass fans, like what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it gets your attention. That's and it. The problem. Is- we have to remember is that we're competing against so many things, including, you know, people live on their phones. I see people walking the street. I, it used to be kids. Now I see adults, you know, guys 40, 50, 60 years old are walking across the street and they're, they're texting on the phone. We're being, we're, we're being communicated to on a regular basis. And so you need to stand out from the crowd. 
And if you stand out from the crowd, then you know you have a better chance of selling your product or service. I mean, so this reminds me. Oh, pardon me, James. This reminds me of Seth Godin's quote. He says, um, if the marketplace isn't talking about you, there's a reason. The reason is you're boring and you're boring on purpose because it's safe. And you can't bore people into buying from you. That's the thing. You know, this guy, I was reading about this guy, Paul Tran. <laughs> Listen to this one. <laughs> so he created an electric razor to shave man's private areas. I don't want to get too much into that, okay. but that's what it is, okay? And so... Um, <laughs> So what would you name a product like that? He wanted to come up with a name that people would remember, but that ex- describes what his product does. So he called it um, the lawnmower. <laughs> the lawnmower. He changed the name of his company to Manscaped, you know, like landscaping a man. Manscaped. <laughs> okay. And yeah. his sales exploded. In fact, one of the big companies, I think it was Braun, wanted to buy him up for a massive amount of money. He said, nah, not too, I, wanna, I can make more money than that, you know, on my own. And he's making like um, a fortune. Yeah. Whoever calls an electric razor a lawnmower. But you know what happens is, so first you see the lawnmower and you hear what it is and you start laughing. And if mm-hmm. you buy it, what do you do? You tell your buddies. I mean, you can't use this. Okay. <laughs> I use it. But guess what? I just bought the lawnmower. It's like, what? You know? I mean, yeah. it's just, they're hilarious. I mean, it's, it, but it, laughers are buyers. That's one of the mm. things that happens is, you know, mm-hmm. when we said, uh, uh, you know, the fire, we're the fire extinguisher for you guys. You know, they would yeah. laugh, but they were buying. You don't always have to make them laugh, but laughing helps. I know these two guys who are attorneys. They're top, they're of the top 100 attorneys in the country. One of them is the top 10 attorneys in the country. And he's telling me that um, he makes audio, he makes his uh, juries and his judges laugh by telling them jokes. Oh, you know, and yeah. he said by telling them jokes. It's amazing that you tell somebody a joke and suddenly they like you more and they want to, they, they sort of lean towards you. And, and so this friend of mine was telling me that it's amazing. I, a lot of lawyers will pass a, cl- a client on to me that they know that they, they don't think there's any way they can win, but I have a better chance of winning. I won't win 100% of them, but I win. And part of why I win is, you know, I do a good job on my work, but you can do a good job and still lose. But he says, I do a good job, but I also get my, the jury's laughing. If I can make the jury laugh, they suddenly look at me more than they look at the other the other attorney. And so, yeah, it's just <laughs> laughing is a pretty good tool. <laughs> I like that. So that's why uh, emotion is so important in selling. Well, and that's the key. Is emo- we buy for emotional reasons, not logical. You know, mm. so they always say in marketing, you know, you want your client to know, like, and trust you. I, and, and part of why is because that's emotional. Okay. Mm. I mean, so they, you might have the best product in the world, but you know, if they don't know, like, and trust you, they're not going to buy from you. So that's the first thing. So one way you can get them to know, like, and trust you is tell them jokes. I tell jokes all the time. I'm terrible at it. I have like, okay, so I was working with this uh, company that does um, uh, that makes um, uh, fi- um, uh, boxing gear and, and all this stuff for uh, martial arts and all that stuff. And they're in trouble. They're in a turnaround. Hmm. So, and in a turnaround, it's scary because everybody's afraid we're going to lose the job. The owner's afraid he's going to go bankrupt and all that stuff. And so when you're stressed, you're not laughing. You're like, you know, and when you're stressed, it's hard to be creative. And so I started with this joke <laughs> and they tortured me with this joke. Okay. And they really <laughs> tortured me with it. And it's, uh, so the maintenance guy is hiding in a maintenance closet. Whenever people would sh- come near the closet, he'd open the door and scream, supplies. <laughs> <laughs> So for over a year, I was working with these guys. Yeah. And what they would say was, 
I look inside the uh, uh, their office. You know, you can see it in a window or something, and I can see the stress on her face. I don't know if you know, there were supplies that they couldn't. You know, there's, there's inventory they couldn't uh, get, or mm-hmm. they have a customer is not happy, or whatever else. And they're all stressed. You can see the faces all folded. And I'd open the door and say, "Hey, how's it going?" And I suddenly they smile and they go, "Supplies!" Over a year, every time they saw me, "Hey, supplies!" <laughs> you know. But what happened was it changed their attitude. You could see, mm. you know, people become more creative when they're happy, when they're mm. laughing. Mm. And it's just when you can reduce stress. And so, I, you know, it's just, it's it's so powerful. But guess what? Laughers are buyers. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so yeah. if you can get them laughing, that helps too. It just, I remember um, uh, Blue Emu, um, the, uh, is, it's uh, arthritis cream. And they had uh, Johnny Bench, uh, the ex-baseball player, talking about it. And I was, you know, doing something else while a, a TV was on. And so then he said, Blue Emu, it works fast and you won't stink. <laughs> and I like, what did he just say? And it works fast and you won't stink? But stink is a trigger word. And sometimes you could use trigger words and it just wakes up the brain. Because we have to remember that most of the people we're talking to are half asleep. We don't realize it. You know, their their brain is somewhere else. They're worried about a client they just got or a client they lost or maybe their spouse is like thinking of a divorce or maybe they don't have enough supplies or what it is. And because of that, they're so focused on that that you talk about your product and they're, they're shocking. They're nodding their head like, yeah, yeah, they're listening, listening, but they're not listening. We don't realize that. But I, my wife is like that all the time. I'll talk to her and she'll say, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, come on, you weren't even listening. He said, yeah, I was. Okay, tell me what I was saying. She goes, okay, what were you saying? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, thanks, Pam. <laughs> but I mean, it's, but it's just, we're all like that. You yeah. know, we're so bombarded with information. If somebody makes a pitch to us or tells us about their product or service, you know, it looks like we think they're listening, but they're not really listening. You know, I have this great, I have this great story. I'm going to ruin it for people in, in the beginning of my book. But, um, and the story, is, but it's still, I think it'll you'll appreciate it and relate to it. At the beginning of my book, I talk about my four-year-old daughter. I say my four-year-old didn't want to have sex with the boy next door. <laughs> I remember this and one. People are like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. But it really it sets the it sets the stage. You know, I was I do a lot of work with the U.S. Small Business Administration, so sometimes I'll have twenty or thirty people, but often I'll have like 200, 300 people. And I was with one of the audiences, and I was talking about this, and I said. Um, so I'm, uh, well, you know, my she's old now. She's uh, 35 years old. But when she was like, uh, you know, four years old, um, I heard her outside our house talking to a neighbor. And the neighbor's kid, you know, young kid. And the kid said, do you like Alan, the boy next door? And she said, I like him, but I don't want to have sex with him. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, as a parent, it's scary. Like, <laughs> first I look for my wife. Pam, where are you? You got to talk to her. But she was nowhere to be found. So I had to go out there and be play parent. So I, I say to my audiences, like, so what do you say to a child, a four-year-old that says, I like him, but I don't want to have sex with him? And so I have this, women often will say, you need to tell her, she needs to be stop talking about that or whatever else. And I tell her, the, then I tell them the punchline. Yeah. And the punchline is I went out there, luckily I had the right question or I wouldn't be using the story. But I said, uh, Lauren, what's sex? And she said, that's kissing. And I said, yeah, don't do that because you'll get germs. And I quickly escaped. But the point is, we all, how many of us assume that when she said, I like him, but I don't want to have sex with him, that she understood what sex is the way we do? Mm-hmm. If we get it wrong with a four-year-old, we'll probably get it wrong with a 40-year-old. You know, how often do we say stuff to people and it just goes in one or out the other? We think that they understand exactly what we're offering or what we're saying or what we're explaining. 
and, and they're nodding their head. So it looks like it, but they're not. They don't understand the same way we understand. And I love when I was young, uh, Zig Ziglar, a motivational oh, yeah. speaker was fabulous. He changed my life. My wife and I went to live, a live uh, um, uh, workshop that he had. And it was just fabulous. And he had this thing that really stuck in my mind. And he said, take this phrase. And this is valuable because we live in an age of texting now. Texting and email, okay? And how, how often do you send a text or an email that you think it was clear, but the person took it the totally wrong way? And so think about this. I did not say he beat his wife, okay? <laughs> How's that for one? So listen to how many different ways this can be interpreted. I didn't say he beat his wife. Somebody might have said it, but it wasn't me. I didn't say he beat his wife. I might have implied it, but I didn't say that. I didn't say he beat his wife. And am I talking about tennis? You think we're talking about <laughs> yeah. him beating his wife up, right? But I was talking about tennis. And yet yeah, we take this yeah. simple phrase and have all these totally different ways that it's interpreted. Mm. And I have this thing, I mean, and a lot of people can relate to this with me uh, because they relate to it also, is that you send an email and somebody gets pissed off at you and you're like, how can you, why are you mad at me? What do you, mm. what was this? I don't care. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. It's like, mm. but what, what did I say? I didn't look, I'm just not even going to talk to you anymore. And it's like, what? I was at a, one of the workshops I was doing and this woman says, you know, I love your workshops. You're just awesome. But you scream all the time. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I started defending it. You know, I came with from a big family. We had four oldest of four. And so you have to talk loud. To, and she said, no, 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 no. It's like when you send an email, it's all in capital letters. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I do not send emails in all caps anymore. Maybe the headlines sometimes. Yeah. But it's like she's saying I scream all the time, and I'm like assuming she means the way I talk. Mm. Although my mm. wife would say I scream all the time. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but I mean, but it's just we say stuff all the time that we assume the other person yeah. understands, and they don't understand. And that's why you want a hook somehow. And if you can have a hook, it makes it easier. First, it wakes them up. It wakes up their brain. You know, they have this, um, Eve Ensler uh, did a play uh, about women's rights and all that stuff, and she called it Vagina Monologues. Mm. You know, it's like, gee, you think it was successful because it has the name Vagina Monologues? It's like, uh. okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a trigger word. There are certain yeah. trigger words. They have these guys yeah. who made uh, the um, beverage company, the, the juice company, Naked Juice. Yeah. And they were competing with Odwalla. Odwalla was owned by Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola could throw a gazillion dollars at their marketing. Uh, and yet Naked Juice passed Odwalla. It passed Coca-Cola's brand. You know, That's even huge. though it was just like a couple of partners, but mm -hmm. it, it passed it because Naked <laughs> Juice yeah, was like, yeah. what the heck's that? Wow, that's pretty cool. You know, and of course you try it and et cetera. And the rest, mm -hmm. they say, is history. But so, so yeah, there's... Go ahead. Sorry. What, what do, um, before I forget, why uh, do you say that technical and logical people um, have a marketing disadvantage when it comes to persuasion? Because people, this is, I'm a logical person, okay? Mm -hmm. And when you throw logic at people, it triggers the left side, of the right side of the brain. Uh, right, right is, uh, L is left, logic, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> left side of the brain. But the the logical side of the brain, but we don't buy for logical reasons. Think of, you know, mm -hmm. you drive a car. I bet you didn't buy a car because it's the cheapest car. <laughs> no, you know, you bought the, hey, this is cool and I love the color and buy, I want to buy a Beamer. I want to buy a Mercedes or whatever else, you mm -hmm. know. I want, you know, 
I mean, we choose things for emotional reasons. It's our mates, you know? You know, if, mm-hmm. if you're a spouse or whatever else, your mate, you didn't choose it for logic. Well, this person can cook meals and I I want to definitely know. <laughs> hey, look at the look on this. Oh, she's gorgeous, you know? I mean, I mean, we live our life based on emotion. And yet we try to sell based on logic and it doesn't work. In fact, if you throw too many numbers at a person, it turns off the emotion side of the brain. You can throw numbers. I, I work with these guys who are finance guys and this, they were talking to this guy who's a famous musician. I don't want to say who it was. Mm-hmm. And this guy is saying how, you know, um, he's trying to sell the guy who was a client um, this new uh, finance tool. He said, and you'll make like up to 7% and it's like really good. It's a stable and you, it'll never, you'll never go below 7% on this thing and all that stuff. And I can see the look of, you know, like the guy's, his eyes were glossed over. He was looking at him with shaking his head, but you can just see in his eyes and his body language, he doesn't really get it because he's a musician. Okay. Musicians are emotional. They work off emotion. And so I went over and I said, um, so just so you know this, John Lennon used this. And after he died, it was one of the things that helped maintain his, his uh, net worth. So he didn't lose it all the taxes and everything, even after he died. And the guy went, John Lennon did it. Okay, sign me up. (laughs) And so the guy went from, you know, from logic, you know, to emotion. And so people buy for emotional reasons. And that was for me the hardest thing. My book, my book had a different title. I got uh, Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul and a whole series of books. He he sold 500 million books, okay? (laughs) If if he sold, if he made fifty cents a book, that's not bad. Okay, oh, yeah. five hundred million, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he first, he loved my book, which is really great. He gave me, he got, he was mad at me. He said, "I have so many books to read. I just started looking at your book. I couldn't put the damn thing down." I said, "I'm sorry. Can I use that as testimonial?" You know, <laughs> he said, "On one condition, you got to change the title of the book. The whole mm. book is about brain glue." So I had a, um, it's, and so it should be called brain glue. But the title was "Sell More with the Right Brain Marketing Strategy." That's a logical title. Yeah, he says you're yeah. trying to teach us emotional selling, and you got a logical title. You change it. I'll give you. I'll give you all the testimonies you want if you change the title. Yeah. <laughs> you go, yes, sir. Okay. You know, that's really hard. But it's just we yeah. think logically, most of us. But when we sell, you've got to include emotion. You've got to include emotion because people don't buy. You can't bore people into buying from you. You know, but if you can trigger the emotion size of the brain, suddenly people go like, oh, first it wakes them up and then it makes them more hooked on you, which is really what you want. Does that make sense? How does, so how does the logical left brain, which I mostly think emotionally. <laughs> how does it work? Right. So how, how does, yeah. Okay. How, how do the left brain guys? Right. Um, use emotion. How do you're raising we... your hands? So I'm a left brain guy too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So here's what you do. Okay. The first thing you want to do. I have 14 tools, so I don't want to go through all 14, but I'll talk about some of them. Um, we want to understand. The first thing you want to do is you want to answer it logically. Okay. The fire restoration for insurance companies. We fired. You know, we we came up logically. It's fire restoration for insurance companies. Okay. I didn't know what that was, and so I had to explain it to me. But they, you, you have to come up with a logical explanation first of what it is, because that's how our brain works, okay? Then you want to explain the emotion side. And there are a few things. The first thing you want to think of is a metaphor or analogy, okay? Like my product or idea is just like blank. 
I had a, um, a behavioral management firm. We actually had one of Southern California's leading behavioral management firms. But when we describe it, people's, you know, their brain, you can see their, their eyes gloss over, you know, oh, we do this and we'll do this and we'll change behavior. We mix work with play. Uh, we confuse the mind with works and play. And they kind of look at us going, oh, okay, okay, you know, and they can't relate to it. You know, I mean, they, they'll take us because we, maybe a ref, they got a referral or something, but we would always talk logically and they would not get it. But they would hire us because we had good experience, you know, good results from clients or friends or whatever. But I realized part of the problem is that people don't understand what we do. So I came up with an analogy that we started using and people related to it. And I said, just think of us as a, like a personal trainer. You know, a personal trainer shows up and maybe you can do five or 10 push-ups or we can get you to do 20 push-ups and get you to do a few more push-ups, few more sit-ups and everything else because we're there egging you on. Come on, come on, two more, two more. You can do it. Okay, yes. We're like that with uh, getting people to tackle stuff outside your comfort zone. So, you know, we're not going to take you from here to Mount Everest, but we can get you halfway up there, a quarter way up there by just tackling a little more than what you would tackle on your own out of your comfort zone. Because think of us as a personal trainer. And with a company, we'll say, we'll work with your senior people and get them all tackling something a little bigger than they would normally tackle. When we use the, the uh, you know, the personal trainer example, suddenly went, oh, that makes sense. That's interesting. I said, think of it. You can get your people to do this much. Because we use psychological tools, we can get them to do this much more. And because of that, so you want to move your company from 2 to 10 million in sales or 20 to 50 or you want to go to 0 to 100 to 10 million in sales or 2 million in sales, we'll get you tackling stuff a little out of your comfort zone. And suddenly they go, oh, that makes sense. huh? And it resonated with them. And so that's why, you know, when we're talking to somebody, we want to explain it with an analogy or metaphor if we can, so they can relate. And we, people use metaphors all the time and we don't even realize, it. you know, like he's dumb as a doornail, you know, he's dead as a doornail or, you know, he's, you know, I mean, we use things like that. It's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> really? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the cats are falling out of the sky. You know, that's not happening. But we use stuff like that. You know, I always think of, um, um, I think of a Rocky Road ice cream. You know, you open it up, it doesn't have rocks inside it. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it does. Look at it. It's really crunchy. It's rocks. No, it's chocolate ice cream with nuts and marshmallows. But it's bumpy like a rocky road. Rocky road also uses alliteration, another uh, brain glue tool, rocky mm. road. It's a repetition of sounds. And when I started realizing that, I realized, like, how many blockbuster products use alliteration? Coca-Cola, PayPal, TikTok. You know, TikTok. Okay, what if they called it uh, – uh, you know, if they called it the Chinese social media company, you think they would be as <laughs> successful as TikTok? No. You know, and so why do they come, why do they use alliteration? Because it works. It sticks to the brain. Hula hoop. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just it's just amazing how if you can pick something that's already stuck to the brain, it becomes easier to take your product or service and stick it to the brain too. You know, I mean, it's and I, one of the things I talk about in a book is, um, um, when we're kids, a lot of us know the phrase head and shoulders, knees and toes, eyes, ears, mouth and nose. So if you're going to come up with a dandruff shampoo, you know, let's, what would be a good name? Oh, how about head and shoulders? Duh. You think Procter & Gamble became a blockbuster by, uh, by accident? No, yeah. they understand head and, head and shoulders already inside the brain. So let's call it head and shoulders. Everybody's got the phrase, you know, and it's just, it's when you use things like that, it makes it easier to sell. I mean, I want to tell you, that's one of the things I understood. 
When I started my business, uh, we had an advertising agency. My brother could outsell me like crazy because I'm a technical guy and he was emotional. He knew how to do emotional selling. Nobody had to train him. It was just wired into him. And it pissed me off that he could sell me better than I could sell me. You know, I would do, we would do advertising and photography work and stuff like that. And he can go in, I could go in and try to win a client. Maybe they'll buy, maybe they won't buy. He goes in and talks, blah, 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 blah. And they go, ah, oh, we got to hire you. And it's like, okay. And it's like, it pissed me off after a while because, you know, I love my brother tremendously, although family and business doesn't always mix, you know, but he would start almost bullying me because he's like, I, I, well, me, we wouldn't have all these clients. And he was right, you know, and it bothered me. And so once I started learning these tools, I started realizing, well, anybody can learn this. It's actually not that complicated to learn where you can boost your business. I mean, somebody reads my book. I have a lot of people that do this. They got come up with one idea. Now, it shows you how to go through this because it gives you examples. And people go, oh, wow, I know that. Oh, that's why this works. Oh, interesting. You know, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Alka-Seltzer. Oh, that's what they're doing. Interesting. You know, a little bit of sensory elevation, I call it. You know, and once people start seeing the examples, then they go back and then they apply it. Now, almost everybody will apply one thing and suddenly their sales will explode. Just one thing. Because when you start understanding how, how persuasion works, you start to recognize how persuasion is such a huge part of our life. You know, you're trying to get your kids to go to bed. That's persuasion. I mean, sometimes it might yeah. be go to bed or else, you know. <laughs> I mean, but still, it's emotion. It's like the kids are scared. Okay, okay. I'm gonna, you know, you know, I, yeah. Don't do that, okay. But I mean, but it's just, you know, you're trying to go on a date. <laughs> That's persuasion, you know. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I've, this guy was telling me about how, man, I can, you know, I went on a date with this the girl, the love of my life. I can't believe it. And because I used this little, I told her a joke and she suddenly was hooked to me, you know. It's just so, <laughs> it, 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 persuasion works on so many levels. You work with a, your boss or your client, and you're trying to persuade them of something. How often, and it's frustrating, how often mm-hmm. do we talk to a client and we're trying to sell them something we know will be good for them and they go, no, nah, I don't want to. But come mm-hmm. on, look at this. It'll, you know, for for 10% more, you can suddenly have a whole addition on your home. Yeah, no, I'm not interested. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's because we're selling logically instead of saying, mm-hmm. you know, your wife is going to love this. You're going to surprise her. Huh? What was the last time you gave her a present? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. You know, suddenly it opens, it, yeah. it requires a different part of the brain. That's awesome. Well, uh, don't want to reveal them all. We got to save some uh, for the book, right? Because I uh, uh, haven't written a book myself. I, I know how hard it is to write and, and, and to, to put a book together. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so I want to encourage everybody else to uh, to grab a hold of it too, James. Really appreciate your your time here today. How can people learn more about Brain Glue? Well, the easiest way is if you go to braingluebook.com, it'll take you to the page on Amazon and you can read. And Amazon lets you read some of the free stuff. We have an audio book too, so you can listen to some of the audio book. But yeah, braingluebook.com is the easiest way to do it. And just check it out. Hopefully you'll buy it. But even if you don't buy it, it shows you all the different brain glue tools and it gives you some uh, you know, some of the uh, examples so you can understand how to use it. But it's just, it's changed people's lives. I have to say, it's amazing. I mean, it changed my life, but it, it's amazing how many people say like, wow, this is so much fun. You know, I also tell jokes. You want to be, I'm a terrible joke teller, but it just, it's once you start understanding how brain glue works, you start to realize in your whole life, how much it affects, you know, so many elements of your life. It's really fun. So yeah, braingluebook.com is the easiest way to get it. Braingluebook.com. And just one idea has made significant impact. 
in many businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so much, James. Oh, thank you, Steve, so much. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.